Well, man, good to be home. Good to see you. So good to be together. And first, let me give a strong word of thanks to Robin and Mark and Nathan for the great word that you guys gave us these last couple of Sundays. Man, that was powerful. So much appreciated. Let's begin with this quote. Tell me if you think this is accurate. The best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless, when they're self-righteous and smug and complacent consecration, when they're narrow and repressive, then Christianity dies a thousand deaths. Could the attitude of joy really carry that kind of power? Uh, Mayberry, Barney Five, he asked his friends to go get something to eat. And they say, where? And Barney said, oh, it don't matter to me. I'm easy to please. And so they said, well, how about, how about the diner? And Barney says, no, the specialist tuna casserole, and I hate that. Oh, all right. Well, how about the drugstore? And he said, no, no, everything tastes like medicine. All right, well, how about the Italian restaurant? And he said, no, nah, I really don't like my, my main dish concealed in heavy sauce. <laughs> he said, well, Barney, where do you want to go? And he said, well, it don't matter to me. I'm easy to please. <laughs> Sometimes a joyless person is blinded to their own joylessness. So a study was conducted in the early 1990s, later published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health. The overall conclusion was that people who thought they were treated unfairly were more likely to suffer a heart attack or have chest pains. Crazy, huh? The study was the largest of its kind, examined data from 6,081 British civil servants. They were asked how strongly they agreed with this statement. You know, you know, strongly agree, sort of agree, not agree, strongly agree, or whatever, you know. The statement was this. I often have the feeling that I'm being treated unfairly. Strongly agree, all the way down to strongly disagree. The subjects were tracked over 10 years, and in that time, 387 either died of a heart attack or were treated with non-fatal attacks or were diagnosed with angina. There was a direct correlation with less cardiac events among those who reported low levels of feeling like they were being treated unfairly. The title of the study published in the journal was this, People Who Feel Wronged Can Really Take It to Heart. Could a joyless life be another silent attack on our health? Do you find it interesting? Look at that passage up there, Galatians 5. Do you find it interesting that the nine qualities or fruit that the Spirit of God is producing in the people of God, do you find it interesting that the second one on the list is joy only behind number one, love? We know it was the love of God that sent Jesus to us, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. We also know it was the love Jesus had for the Father's will above his own will 
that drove him to the cross. My father, if possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. But could joy, could joy actually have been a contributing factor to the cross? Look at God's word. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, endured, endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You wouldn't necessarily associate a torturous death with joy, would you? But somehow joy finds its footing, finds its foundation, its stability above circumstances, above life's events. A fellow by the name of David Haben said it this way. Look at this quote. Joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. It winks on and off like a firefly's backside. Hitting green lights all the way to work makes us happy. Getting rear-ended in the parking lot makes us unhappy. A compliment from a teacher makes us happy. Being criticized by friends makes us unhappy. Happiness hangs out at backyard barbecues and water parks but it's an infrequent guest at funerals and in ER waiting rooms. Joy, joy is different. Joy isn't a feeling, it's more of a knowing. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus understood that his sacrifice on the cross would restore our relationship, a relationship with the Father that had been severed because of our sin, because of the fall. The joyful thought of us being together with sin no longer in the way gave Jesus the endurance to submit to the cross. You guys, sin has so warped this world that we are besieged by its effects everywhere. I don't have an explanation of what happened in Springdale last Wednesday morning about 4.15 to 4.30 a.m., An F3 tornado ripped through our town, leaving its devastating mark. Why some homes were spared and suffered minor damages and others were demolished. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know why just six doors down, people's Cars were turned upside down, and the tops of their roofs and second stories were torn off from us. I find it equally difficult to see joy on people who seem to have every reason not to be joyful. Case in point, my hero, Joni Erickson Tata. Look what she said one time. Honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian women's conference. One woman putting on her lipstick said, Oh, Joni, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish that I had your joy. 
Several women around her nodded. How do you do it? She asked as she capped her lipstick. I don't do it, I said. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? This is an average day. I breathe deeply. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. When I listen to her make coffee, I pray, Oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, set me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have any strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't even have a smile to take into the day. Well, you do. May I have yours? God, I need you desperately. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door? One of them asked. I turn my head toward her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. Is that, is that the answer we've been searching for? Just as Joni finds her smile from God, just as Jesus found the endurance to hang on a cross by focusing on the joy of submitting to God's will over his own, is our endurance to make it through whatever we face, is our, our power to endure found in, in watching Jesus? I mean, could our endurance be powered by the joy that we find when we find him? Look at our passage again from the paraphrase, the message. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Did you notice these, phrase, these phrases? Study how he did it. Go over his story again and again. This is why we talk about the cross all the time. This is why we dedicate a series to it every year. Because when we stay on Jesus, joy is found. Joy survives. It makes it. Did you know that the most sacred symbol in Oklahoma City is a tree? It's a sprawling, shade-bearing, 80-year-old American elm. Tourists drive from miles around to see it. People pose beneath it for pictures. Arborists carefully protect it. It adorns posters and letterheads. Other trees grow larger and fuller, even greener. But not one tree in Oklahoma City is more honored or more equally cherished than this tree. Oklahoma City treasures this tree not because of its appearance, but because of its endurance. It endured the Oklahoma City bombings. The bomber parked his death-laden truck only yards from this tree. The malicious act killed 168 people, wounded 850, destroyed the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, covered this tree in the bombs aftermath. 
No one expected it to survive. No one, in fact, gave any thought to this dusty branch-stripped tree. But after a season, it began, <laughs> it began to bud. Sprouts pressed through the damaged bark. Green leaves pushed away the gray soot. Life resurrected from an acre of death. People began to notice the tree modeled the resilience that the victims desired. So they gave the elm a name. You know what they call it? The survivor tree. Just as this tree survived, so will our joy because it's about staying on Jesus. Staying on Jesus means that there's hope beyond the suffering. There's joy beyond the tears. Father, this has been a, a different week for many of us. Many of us have, I suppose a few of us have gone through a week like this before. I just wonder, Father, if, if the joy that we desire is more based on circumstances that we're living through than on a foundation that exists above whatever circumstances we go through. We want that joy, and we know that comes from your spirit. When our hearts are put asunder, Father, you put us under your protective care. We lift this in the name of Jesus. Amen.